Welcome to Bulletproof Women, a podcast dedicated to all the strong women in our lives. Throughout history, we've known this to be a man's world. Nothing could be done without a man's stamp of approval in some way. They were the strong and impenetrable ones, and we hit a glass ceiling. But now, we're creating a new history for our future generations, where we women are stronger, smarter, bolder, and louder than we have ever been, proving time and time again that we can do so much more. Now, we women are also an impenetrable force of nature. We are becoming bulletproof. Hi everyone. Welcome to Bulletproof Women. I'm your host, Gwen. We all face scary experiences in life. Dangers in society, contaminated food, viruses that keep getting stronger and stronger, climate change, the list can go on and on. But what do you do when your own body begins to work against you? When diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, or cancer take hold of your life from the inside and turn it upside down? The fear, trauma, and uncertainty that comes with these degenerating diseases can have a crippling effect on the mind and body of the afflicted person. With all the medical advancements we've made in the last decade alone, people wonder why we don't have a cure for cancer yet. According to an article published by the Canadian Cancer Society, curing cancer isn't easy. Why? Because cancer is more than a hundred diseases, and each of these are divided into several types and subtypes. Cancer research alone is a slow, intricate, and step-by-step process that involves collecting and analyzing several pieces of information. What looks very promising in a lab doesn't always work with people. Yet, there are many among us who face this natural enemy head-on and were able to come out victorious. Today, I'm going to share with you the extraordinary life experience of one of them, my good friend, Hanosha, and her battle with cancer. Hanosha's story is one of love, pain, and victory. I met Hanosha back in March 2017, when I was a new recruit in a big corporate office. As qualified and confident as I was, I still felt small and insignificant in this new, quiet space with large white ceiling lights and cubicles. Then came along Hanosha, the social butterfly. Within five minutes of speaking with her, this new cold space felt a lot warmer. She made the effort to make friends feel like family, Immediately, I knew Hanusha was an amazing person I could bring into my inner circle of trusted friends. Hi, Hanusha. Hi. So, thank you so much for doing this for me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, you're more than welcome. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk. I'm sure this must be a difficult topic for you. So, I just wanted to know... Why did you decide to come forward and speak about your experience? Because the experience that I went through, it was caught me off guard. It wasn't something that I knew was going to happen or something the least I expected. So I wanted to share this experience so the woman out there can, you know, go to the doctor and get checkups done just in case that they might have had the same symptoms as me or maybe something similar and not stick around and wait. Oh, I'll be fine. It's just it's just fatigue. I'll be fine the next day. So it's to bring awareness of what women and men and children can, you know, look for just so they can make sure that they're okay and not have to go through all the pain and suffering and still come out of it in a healthy way. So I just want to highlight the signs that they should look forward to and yes. all the experiences that go with the doctor absolutely okay that's great thanks
Originally from the South Asian country of Sri Lanka, Hanosha and her family lived in Ontario pretty much her whole life. She's a loving daughter and elder sister who enjoys making people laugh with her infectious smile and honey-like personality. So, Hanusha, tell me something about yourself, about your family, how was life growing up, things like that. Well, I grew up from Sri Lanka. I was born there in a city called Colombo. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, I grew up there off and on. Like I also went to India. I come a small, cute little family, mom, dad, myself, and my sister. Uh, my sister and I were nine years apart. Uh, she was conceived in Canada when my parents moved here. I was left behind because my dad could only bring one person aboard, so he brought my mom, and then I was living with my grandmother for that little, little short period of time. And so my mother, grandmother passed away, and then just a little bit after six months, I got the visa to come to Canada. So we lived in Scarborough in an apartment, um, and it was just a little close-knit little family, you know. And then my dad uh, lost his job in Toronto, so we moved to Hamilton, and that's where I grew up from the age of 15, 16, and we just grew up there, built a family there, built lifestyle, friends, um, you know, it was just a very close-knit friends that I had. But then I, as I grew older, um, I branched out and I started meeting other people. Um, I have a really good close best friend of mine named Judy. Um, she is like my right hand sometimes. And I have my friend Tanya, Jessica. Like it's just a close handle of friendships that I close to heart. I don't believe in too many friends. I believe close friends is better than um, 100. Uh, because you just need to keep those close people that because you're the ones that they're also going to be family. And then I met my husband. Um, unfortunately, it, it happened right after my dad passed away from diabetes. Um, he couldn't fight anymore. So he left us in 2014 in Feb. And I met my husband through family in March. And everybody said he's the sign from my dad, you know, making sure that I'm protected and taken care of. So I married my husband um, literally that same year, um, November 1st of 2014, going on five years. Unfortunately, no kids, but that's something I will uh, talk about later. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a good family. We do family-oriented things, um, going to the beach, going to the movies, friends, dinners, movies. Hanging with you, Gwen. <laughs> you know, Which we, I love. yes, our our moments together at work. That's where I met you. Yep. And uh, I still remember the day how I met you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, story for another time. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was good. It's, it's a, that's all. It's a little in a nutshell. I I love family, whether it's friends or or real blood family. I call them all family because. I build each and every single person that's my life has a special relationship with me. And I will take that till my last breath. Yeah. Things were going great for Hanusha. Work-life balance was optimum and Hanusha's life was full and happy. From family, friends, parties, work and everything that she enjoyed, Hanusha felt like everything was on track. But then, in 2016, her health began to bother her, and the unexpected happened. Okay, so in 2011, I still remember this. It was around November, December time. I started um, getting very heavy period nonstop. And I wasn't sure what was going on. I thought it was just probably my body was changing or something like that. And this time I was actually vacationing in Sri Lanka when this was all going through. It relatively stopped around January and then my period was very regular, but it was very painful period. It, it wasn't like that before. So every so often I would wake up tired. I would sleep 
a good eight hours, but I didn't wake up feeling refreshed or anything like that. It went on for years and I chose to ignore it because I was a very heavy set woman and I thought that could be one of the reasons as to why I'm having heavy bleeds because, you know, it kind of runs in the family too. So I didn't pay too much attention to it, but it just kept getting worse, especially around 2015, starting 2016. It got worse as if I will um, meet with the, you know, people I work with and all of a sudden I would feel a very heated warmth um, in my body and next thing I know is it's going to flood and this has happened many public times but with God's grace it's never been publicly known just because I was able to save myself to run to the washroom to take care of it or I was able to go home to take care of it um, and I was going to the emergencies ample amount of times and they would tell me I'm going to send you to a follow-up with a gynecologist but nothing ever took place. Um, there was no follow-ups. Did you ever go to the gynecologist during those recommendation times? No, because you have to wait for a follow-up call. The gynecologist won't take you call or, or give you an appointment unless it's referred by a doctor, of a family doctor or a, um, a doctor in the merge or something like that. And every time I tried to follow up, it was twice actually, they said they never got the facts. So how many times did this happen that you were waiting for a follow-up call and it didn't happen and so you let it go? A few times. It happened a few times um, and I just ignored it. 2017, I still remember this, it was around April. I went back to the emergency and there was a really nice doctor actually, Dr. Um, uh, Castan. He saw my record and he said, you've been coming to the hospital quite a number of times. What's going on? So I said, well, this is my situation. And he said, well, your hemoglobin's really low, Hanosha. I can't send you home. And I begged him to send me home because I don't like hospitals. So he said, okay, I'll send you home. But if you promise to do all these tests, I'm going to take you as my patient because I don't ha didn't have a family doctor at that time because I moved from Hamilton to Brampton. And I said, thank you for that. A great doctor. Um, there's no words that can describe. He started um, sending me for test. A gynecologist actually took me in for test. They tried to look at me through a microscope and they said there's too much blockage to see. So they wanted to do a biopsy on me, which I had to go under. And that happened in um, uh, July, July of 2017. And then August, came and I didn't get the results because uh, it wasn't available at that time. So they gave me the results in September. After several ER visits, being referred from one doctor to the next, going in for follow-up exams one after another, Hanosha could tell that something wasn't right. Excessive cramping, heavy menstrual bleeding, and days when she couldn't sit or stand for longer than 10 minutes made things worse. These were only a few of the symptoms that began getting her down. She finally went back to the doctor for more tests to be done in 2017. Then, two days before her birthday, the results of the test came back. Uh, so come September, I get a phone call from my gynecologist asking me to come in for a visit um, because the test results came in and she apologized for giving the results late because she went on vacation. I said, sure, no problem. And she asked me to come in September 21st, a couple of days prior to my birthday, actually. Um, she called me in, sat me down, and she basically said, um, there's no other way better to say this other than you got cancer. Um, and I said, how, what, what do you mean I have cancer? Hanosha's world had just shattered, but she still had a long, long way to go. 
So this beautiful woman decided to meet this painful challenge head on. When she put that on you, that you have cancer, mm -hmm. how confusing was it to hear that out of the blue? For some reason, I knew something was wrong with my body. I just didn't think it was cancer. I just thought it was irregular hormones or, you know, something like um, you won't be able to have kids. Like I knew some sort of things were coming, but I just wasn't, did not expect cancer because we don't have cancer in my family. Nobody in history has cancer in my family. From shock to shame, Hanosha went on a roller coaster of emotions for herself and those around her. Self-blame, anger and remorse were among the few that Hanusha now had to deal with, along with all the information she was bombarded with about this invasive disease inhabiting her body. But for the time being, Hanusha still felt the need to put on a brave face for herself and everyone around her. With her husband out of the country at the time, Hanusha only had close friends and family like Judy and Tanya, who she could turn to and who stayed with her that night when she got the devastating news. This was only the beginning of a difficult journey. When I was told it was shocked, and she said, good luck and uh, couple of days uh, the hospital is going to call you and we're going to get you set up and find out you know um, what's the next steps are I wish you all the best Hanosha and um, that's all the last words she said stepped out of the doctor's office um, I walked very fast and furious to my car and um, I started crying but it wasn't like it was a crying of what happened, how happened. It was just a confused cry. And the first person I called was my mom, my sister. I told them this is what the doctor said. My mom broke down so shatteredly. It was so hard to hear her cry as much as she did on the phone. Why my daughter, she kept saying. And I said, mom, we gotta, um, we gotta do this. We gotta do this together. And my sister said the same thing. Um, I got off the phone because I just didn't want to be on the phone anymore. And my birthday was only a few days away and I already planned a party and everybody, uh, my families were coming over. Um, my Judy's families were coming over and everything. And we were just having like a small get together at my place. And the first thing Judy asked was, let's cancel the party. I said, no, no. Give me a day or two to process this, but I'll be fine. I want to have this birthday because what if I'm not there to have that birthday next? So I want to make sure everybody that I love that is very close to me is there on my birthday. Everybody with a sad face put on a brave face for me and we celebrated my birthday. I didn't even tell my close close family. I Just because I just wasn't sure I was ready to share this yet with anybody else. Because I needed to get through that one birthday with no problems, no crying, no issues. So I did that. Had a great time. We all had a great, great, great time. And then we called it a day. And then come Monday, I told my family, immediate family, everybody else. And um, told my husband too, because I just didn't want to deal with all the cryings and asking me if I'm okay. And Because I'm not okay, but I'm not going to just say I'm okay because that would make them feel better, opposed to me. So I don't want to deal with that. So I just took my time. And then uh, the doctors called. Um, once I got the call from the doctors, when I told the office, and they were full supportive of everything that I went through. Um, then we went, um, we did a CAT scan, and uh, they figured out where the cancer was. It was in my endometrium. That's the cancer they called it. And um, when they did the test and stuff, I got even more bad news. It was stage 3A, 
So the next one would have been stage four, irreversible. And that was hard to take in because why didn't I, it was more stuff, I was beating myself up. Why didn't I do this, take care of it? So you began blaming yourself when you felt like, oh, I've, I ignored it. And mm -hmm. You began to blame yourself. First. I did. The first thing I did was blame myself. It's because of me. I screwed up. That's why I'm dealing with this. Hanosha had made it past the first hurdle, telling everyone the bad news and reliving this moment with everyone in her life. This was done. The second painful step was surgery. I went and had the surgery. And the way I went into the surgery, I danced myself into the surgery room. Everybody was like having tears in their eyes. And I said, no, I'm coming back out of the surgery, guys. Don't worry. So what surgery was this for now? This was for um, to remove the cancer tumor in above my uterus um, because that's where the cancer was sitting. It, it was behind the uterus, so that's why the blockage was there. Not every, all the scans and stuff came dark. They were not able to see till they did a full biopsy inside and they scraped the surface of that, which came back oh, as cancerous. So they had to remove that, but you know what that meant? I had to have a hysterectomy. So my uterus, my fallopian tubes, my ovaries, they all had to go. They did give me the choice of saving my uh, ovaries. They did. But the cost of that was through the roof. And at that time, I couldn't afford it. So I made the, the choice to not have kids and to go through um, that surgery. It was the, one of the hardest decisions I ever had to take. Well, looking at it now, I feel from my perspective as an outsider, it looks like this wasn't a choice that you weren't actually given a choice. No. Because you had to sign an agreement mm -hmm. that this is what your life is now. Yeah. You take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How did it feel being in that position? I took it as, I believe, I'm a huge God believer. And I took it as, there has to be a reason why God is putting me through this. It's not to take them something away from me, maybe just give me something back in return. Maybe, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I just put it all up in God. And I said, there has to be a reason why you're doing this. Whatever you do, I will follow. And the surgery happened. Um, it was very successful, they said. However, um, they said they found a small piece of tumor in the back, in my scrotum area, which is considered stage four, but they were able to remove it successfully. So I, again, thank the Lord for what I, for that news. However, my doctors weren't as supportive as I wanted them to be, especially my oncologist in Mississauga, um, I just did not felt, I was in tears. I, the doctor was running out of the room pretty much, gave me a Kleenex box and said, you'll be fine, don't worry. So I, emotional I, support was not there. Emotional support wasn't there. I wanted to know, do I need to sort out my life? I wanted to know, I didn't want to know if, if I'm going to make it or not because that's up to me. But I wanted to know, what is my next steps? What should I do? And what is this cancer? I never got any of this answers. So I was very disappointed with that part of it. And Did even... you ever get those answers? Yes. After the surgery and the news that she had a potential for stage 4 cancer, Hanosha was now looking for answers and emotional support from the people entrusted with her health care. I decided to move back with my mother and transfer all of my treatments to Hamilton because Hamilton's very best known for cancer. Uh, treatments and um, Jervinsky Cancer Center is who I was and the doctor in Brampton was able to transfer me um, to the Hamilton facility. That's where I met Dr. Um, Herte and Dr. Um, Patel. So Dr. Herte is an uh, oncologist and Dr. Patel's radiologist. They both sat me down and explained what kind of cancer I had, what was the outcome of this, what is 
what's going to happen, what is the treatment going to be like, what to look for. They even gave me counseling numbers where I can talk to counselors. Um, they said, um, we're here for you no matter what. We're going to walk with you every step of the way. So that was what I wanted, the support system from the medical team. And that I didn't get where I was. So when I transferred myself to Hamilton, I felt a little bit of breath of fresh air and actually saw positivity there. Um, and then my journey began with the cancer treatments. Confident that she was finally in the competent and caring hands of trained healthcare professionals specialized in cancer treatment, Hanusha now stepped into arena number three of this fight. Her opponents, chemotherapy and radiation. Um, I had to go through two kinds of chemo medications, which was about four hours long, three and a half hours of the first dose, which is the lighter dose. The Taxol, I still remember that because that's the one that uh, broke me a lot, um, the hard one, which was the Taxol. And um, they said, you know, when, after one week, you'll start to lose your hair. And I'm one of those girls who love to uh, play with the hair. And you've seen me at work again, know. you know, I come with the bun, I come with the curls one day. It's just, it was all of that. That was the hard part, just um, to wake up one morning um, and to do this and half of your hair came off in your hand and you look at the bed that you woke up in and there's like hair all over there. It, that was the hardest part because I just couldn't um, take that and put it together for me. And then... I've, I've heard of other women's experiences where I believe that that particular step, stage, when it reaches that mm -hmm. stage, that's when it really hits. Yeah. And that's like the most difficult mountain to do, the difficult part of the whole process when your hair starts falling is when. Yeah, that's the hard part to take in. Because yeah, my hair wasn't that long. I even cut it short just to my shoulder just to help with that. But when my hair started falling off and everything, um, what happened was it was falling off within a day. Everything was starting to fall off, but it was tangling itself up. So I had the worst, worst, worst headache there was. Literally within a five-hour span, my entire hair was in knots because the hair particles that fell folded into knots and it was just sitting there. And I was crying in pain because it was hard to take in. So I made the choice of um, reaching out to one of, my one of my sister's friends, actually, and we said, can you shave my head? Because I don't think I can take the pain. It's, it was giving me cruciating headache. So we went and she was about to shave. And the one person who's been very strong in this entire episode of things, you know, reaching out, my sister, she broke down because she couldn't see her sister losing hair like that. And she was crying hysterically. And I said, Jennifer, it's okay. It's just hair. It's going to come back. Then I sported the bald look, you know, I, um, I rocked it. Yeah, I rocked it. Yeah. I did not have a problem. However, insecurities did come through because when I was in public, going to the malls, I would have people stare me down, up, up, you know, up and down. Um, everything happened in stages, like my hair fell out one week, then my eyebrows fell out the other. So as I was going through that, um, my sister encouraged me to get eyebrows, um, microblading done, which I actually shouldn't have done because, you know, because my, I was in a sensitive stage, but I didn't think at that point when my sister suggested, I just went ahead and did it. But thank God, thank the Lord that no complications came from that. But if I, if, if the lady who did it wasn't uh, doing it on a good hygienic way, I could have ended up in hospital in very serious conditions. Your immunity is yes, my immunity was down. very low and it was open wounds. Oh my God. Yeah. So don't microblade guys. <laughs> um, use a crayon and draw. For six months, Hanusha fought through chemo, then radiation, and then chemo again. Only six months that to her felt like it lasted a lifetime. 
the reason it was only six month treatment is just because they did the heavy dosage, three months of chemo, and in the middle they did the radiation, and then they did it again. So it was a span of every three weeks. Um, so the first two weeks is very hard because you have the aftertaste of not um, the food and everything doesn't taste. It tastes actually like um, that you got. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Feels like you have iron rod in your mouth. Like there's metallic. metallic. There's no food flavor, nothing. You can you can't eat anything and there's no flavor. You feel like throwing up, literally. And the one thing to avoid is throwing up because they don't want you throwing up because throwing up makes you even more weaker. So they give you medications for all of that. And then the joint pains, the unbearable pains. Everybody goes through different stages. Everybody, I think, have a different side effect. But the one side effect that I had, the most uh, painful was the joint pains, the first one. Um, I couldn't do anything. Uh, my knees hurt, my arms, my head, everything. Every part of my joint was killing me, like as if someone was punching me in my joints. It was very hard uh, to deal with. But, you know, I cried like every other person should. If I didn't cry, you know, I'm strong, but I wasn't that strong. I cried. I cried and, you know, I had my mom. And my sister, who's there for me, like, no tomorrow. Um, and then um, I was doing good. And then radiation came. But for some reason, with I think my body was fighting a lot of the things. Like a lot of the people who would have a symptom within the second week, I didn't get the symptom till the fourth or the fifth week of treatments. Which the doctors were a little surprised. They were like, oh, you should be feeling, you know, Is sensation. They weren't too sure, to be honest. Um, they just said, you know, every, I guess everybody goes through differently. But for me, every symptom that I ever got, that I should have gotten within the first month or the second month, I started getting it more towards the end of the treatment. Um, so the radiation was done. And um, then something happened. Um, I got an infection. We don't know from whom because I was my immune system was down, so I was prone to anything. Um, my fever just shot right up um, to 104 degrees. Um, fatigue, um, couldn't move. I was shaking, um, so they rushed me to the hospital because anytime I get a fever, I'm supposed to, you know, get myself to the hospital. I got there. Um, they tested me, they tested my cultures, and uh, they said that they have to admit me overnight right away because they don't know exactly what caused the, the fever. I have an infection in my body and need, they need me to uh, stay to fight it. Her body already weakened with chemo, now to fight off an infection as well. It was an unexpected curveball that Hanusha now had to take care of in addition to everything else that was going on. So at the hospital, they need to figure out what the infection was. So um, they admitted me and uh, I stayed. I thought it was just going to be a couple of days, but it ended up eight days, actually. I was stuck in the hospital. Um, but I did meet a really good doctor. He's an oncologist at the main hospital where I was staying and he came to me and he said, Hanosha, and these are his exact words, I'm your slave. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that you're going to get taken care of from top to bottom and I'm going to make sure you're going to leave here 100% better than what you came with and we're going to find out what the problem is. And he ordered all these tests every day. Every day there, I would have different um, I had a doctor, gynecologist doctor come in. I had a doctor for blood culture specialist where he looks into deep into these things. I had a specialist come in and um, um, I had a little cyst right underneath my underarms. And I think it's just due to the fact of the heat of my body. Um, came and take a look at that. Like he was so prompt in making sure all the tests were done. Um, my hemoglobin was uh, very low due to the infection. So they kept giving me blood, um, the extra blood, um, everything like that. He said um, every day he would come and sit down and talk to me for half an hour just to see how I'm doing. And I 
that made me feel so comfortable that, you know, I didn't complain about staying at the hospital. And of course, every day my mom, my family came, they brought me food. Every day I would have somebody come and visit me. Um, my best friend came and saw me at 1130 at night and she was in tears. And I said, what are you crying for? You're supposed to be the one telling me, girl, get your shit together. But in spite of her tough exterior and positive attitude on the outside, Hanusha was beginning to doubt how much longer she could carry on with this battle. Things actually began to get worse before they got better, to the point that Hanusha began planning for the end. for you to start feeling better and for you to say okay I think did you did, did it reach a point how long did you ever think that you'd reach that point where you feel oh yeah I'm actually you know feeling better now how did that come about it got worse before anything it else better. it before it got better because due to the infection all my white cells were low so they put me in this new medication called urophil which is you inject that medication into your fat so you're like your belly your arms wherever you think the fat heavy fat is and it boosts your immune system up really high however one of the side effects of that is also uh, loss of appetite fatigue body pain um, uncontrollable um, thirst there was just uh, just a list of side effects the ones that I had was lack of appetite fatigue and uh, body pain. Those were the three main ones I had because they were conjoined and added on with the taxol I was being given. So there was one point in time, I would have to say it was uh, end of May going into June, June actually. I didn't think I was going to make it. Oh my God. Because it was every day I was waking up, I started to actually look like a sick person. I could see myself in the mirror. Um, my frame, my body frame was shrinking because I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat anything. I was forcing myself to eat, but then every time I did, I would throw up. So it was getting to a point where I couldn't um, deal with it because of the, we didn't know if it was because of urophil or if it was because my body is giving up. So I went back to the doctor and I got myself, uh, they admitted me. And they basically came back and said, it's because of urophil. You need to stop taking it. Your white cells are way through the roof. You're actually good. Stop taking it. And I'm like, okay, that's a good thing, right? I stopped taking it. And in that one to two weeks of span time that I was going through all of this, where I didn't think I was going to make it or... I lost a good 30 pounds. That's how much lack of appetite I had because of that side effect. I couldn't move, I couldn't walk. I, it was just a whole, whole cluster of things just kind of just, I felt like it was crashing down on me. I actually, for a, maybe for maybe a good second, I actually thought I'm not gonna make it. And I started um, thinking I should get my will in order. I should probably, you know, sort out my finances, get my sister what she needs to have her future. And I also pray, don't take me till I make sure my sister is okay because my mom is there, but I'm the head of the house in that sense. And as an elder's daughter, I wanted to make sure she was okay. My sister was okay because she's the one who has to live the rest of her life. And I wanted to give her whatever I can from my side to make sure she was sufficiently okay. As soon as I stopped taking Urifa within the third, fourth day, I started feeling this super amount of energy that I never had. Hanosha could now see the finish line and finally, it was time to ring the victory bell. And then it was my last chemo treatment. Ah, oh, the best day of my life. I rang that bell so hard, Gwen, you have no idea. It was the 
big thing. I still have a recording on my phone. I rang that bell and I said, I am not coming back here again. And I said, thank you everybody for your support. And I walked out of there and I was dancing myself to the car. I just said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not coming back there. I will not walk back. And it's like it was, you willed yourself. Yes, this is not going to happen. A month later, I did my CAT scan. Uh, I was scared shitless. I was like, oh my God, this better be okay. This better be okay. And then um, the date came. Um, I still remember it was June 14th, 2018, actually, where I walked in. And uh, it, was an, it was a student. Um, the way she said it was... It was very frustrating a little bit because she just kept opening up page at a time. So, Hanusha, it seems that um, you're cancer-free. And I said, I'm sorry, did she just say I'm cancer-free to my sister? And my sister started tearing up. She's like, yes, she did. And I said, are you sure she said that? Can you repeat that again? Can you just repeat what you just said? Says you're cancer free. We did not find a trace of cancer in your body. And I got up and I did the dance of my lifetime. And I said, So thank you, Lord. I prayed, my mom prayed, my sister prayed, we all prayed, and we said, Hanusha, we did this. We did this. And it was like a parade of of celebrating life. That's what it was for my family and I. And um, I, I went home and then I called my best friend. Like literally, as soon as I went, I called my best friends. I called you. I called um, Tanya, everybody. And I told everybody, oh my God, I'm cancer free, guys. Like it's, it's like, you know, it's such a happy moment. My best friend and sister, I come over and see her right away. I went to her house and she surprised me with balloons and a cake saying congratulations. But the first thing I did was, hug her and cry because like I said everybody took a part in my life I wanted someone very close to me so if you were in front of me Gwen I would have done the same thing because you it would have been the first person that you're my family that's there that I would have hugged and just cried the life out of me and then when I cut the cake I said yeah this is this is it guys I'm not going back I'm I'm, I'm done Although she could definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel, Hanusha was not out of the woods yet. There was recovery and the side effects that she needed to deal with, along with the emotional trauma at the outcome of being cancer-free. Then, of course, recovery. You know, the hair growth coming back. Um, I still had a lot of side effects that I had to go through. Just because you're cancer-free doesn't mean you're completely free. You body takes time to heal, depending on the type of body you have. So mine took time. So the recovery started. Um, again, it was a little roller coaster. It goes up and down, inside out. And um, the, um, the taxol and the radiation was a huge part of taking my recovery. But all this time... I put one thing aside that I did not want to think about or do deal with was the fact I could not have kids. I put that aside. But as my recovery started happening slowly, that subject popped in. Emotionally, I was also in a roller coaster. Yeah, I'm cancer free, but I had to give something up in order to be cancer free. And that was one of the worst things a womanhood can give up is giving birth to a child. Um, I, that part was taken away from me. So I was a little angry at um, a certain point in my life. Um, at that, like I would even say in the three months, I was, I was a little angry. My emotions were up and down. Um, you know, I didn't know how to handle it, especially because when you have a hysterectomy, one of the things that kicks in is your menopause. And your hot flashes. So because my cancer was related to hormone hormones, my doctors to this day refuse to give me anything, hormone re replacement pills or anything supplement. So I kind of left with this menopause on my own. 
it got to a point where I wanted to return back to my normal life and connect back to my the life that I wanted to come back to. I had to make a decision of going on certain types of pills, um, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, to help with my mood swings, to help it control, to keep it leveled to the point where um, I don't lose my temper at work or, you know, um, emotionally challenged at work due to the smallest little things. So that helped. Um, that medications did help. I was put on the highest dose, I think 75 or 100 mils just to get me controlled. Um, just because I explained to the doctor, I was so angry at times that, uh, people, you know, didn't, it wasn't their fault, but I couldn't control it. And I tried controlling it and it was, it was very hard. So I didn't want to deal with that. So once I started the medication that helped, but emotionally, I, even though I was out of cancer, I still wasn't hundred percent mindfully that I've came out of cancer because I was still fighting the fact that I couldn't have kids. And, um, again, never, it was why me, it was more so like, why now? Like, what is it that I did to deserve this? Why is it that I did to take this uh, one thing away from me of becoming a mother? You're back to blaming yourself. Yes. And those are the types of emotions I went through. I'm sure there are people out there that could have gone through the same thing. But in a perspective from mine, I had the support of family and friends, but I didn't have the support of my husband when he came down to that, which was a huge blow to me because he's the one person I wanted to support me in this where adoption, um, you know, adopting a child of not so, you know, not in a wealthy state, you know, bring them here, give them a home, give them something to do. And he just wasn't that supportive. So I couldn't bring someone into this world, into my life without the support of someone else, because you need that pure pillar support. So I, so I made the executive decision of, of trying to pacify myself. So I started doing counseling to help me with that because I didn't, think I could come out of that with on my own I needed the support everyone telling me my kids is your kids is great and I enjoyed the kids as my own but at the end of the day it's still their kid it's not my child so I had to come in terms with that a couple of sessions of um, just going to counseling it helped it helped a lot. I just needed to understand it. It wasn't more so accepting. It's just understanding. I already accepted it. I just needed to understand it. So the counseling helped a lot. Today, Hanosha has bounced back 110%. Healthier and gorgeous as ever. Did this experience change her? Definitely. Hanusha loves exploring food, but now she has to keep a strict watch of her diet and meals. She used to do anything she wanted, anytime. But now she has to make sure she allots time for meds, regular exercise, doctor follow-ups, etc. She loves children and always looked forward for a time of having her own. And now she can't. But Hanusha is a warrior and none of these challenges have held her back. So, Hanusha, given everything that you've been through, what kind of advice would you give other women who's probably going through a similar experience that you did? Go for checkups. Don't just do it yearly. Because we women, we are prone to cancer so much more than anything else. I say, do it every six months. Get it done. Force yourself to go to get those checkups. If you have a doctor who's not giving you the right answers, find another doctor. Listen to your body. Listen to your mind. And go find out the solution. Don't put it off because putting it off will result in something what I had to face. And I had to face it a good year long of battle. I won the battle. 
but at the same time, they're still in the back of my head, would it ever come back? And how am I going to face it again? I will face it with full 100% thought, but at the same time, I always say to myself now, don't give yourself an opportunity to face it again. So... Through all of this, Hanusha hasn't lost her spark. She hasn't lost her smile or her honey personality. She's a joy to have around at any time for any occasion. And I count myself lucky to have her in my life as a true and trusted friend. Finally, Hanusha, after everything that we've discussed and the whole experience that you've walked us all through. What does being bulletproof mean to you? To me, is to be strong mindfully. To take on the challenge. To face the facts, but always have a... When you're hit with a negative, think of a positive. Don't let, don't let cancer beat you. Don't let cancer bring you down. Stay on top and fight it. And that's what I did. I fought it every step of the way. I didn't do it alone. I had so much family support and friend support, you know, of my loved ones, dear ones, everybody that I knew was supporting me. If, and I had that as my strong background to fight what I did. So I would have to say being mindset. That's, that made me the bulletproof woman I am today. I'd like to thank Hanusha for taking the time and effort to narrate so graciously her amazing and heartfelt story about cancer and her survival. If you have any questions for Hanusha, you can email them to bulletproofwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Bulletproof Women. I'm your host, Gwen. A new episode will be out once every two to four weeks. If you have any feedback or you have a story or experience to share, send an email to bulletproofwomenpodcast at gmail.com. So stay tuned for more. And remember, you are bulletproof too.